The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Good afternoon, Bucknoters. Welcome to What We Learned Live following Ohio State's 20-12 to win over Penn State. Should have been 23-6, to but what are you going to do? I really like uh, what we saw overall out of this Ohio State team, and um, you know we're going to get into all of that. We're going to speak with the Dean of Ohio State Football Recruiting, Bill Curlick, here in a few minutes. We're going to hear from Jay Book, Jonah Booker to get his thoughts on the game. And then after post-game interviews, we're going to hear from Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwagon from Ohio Stadium. So a few things that we learned from this game, um, other than this being, let's just bottom line, if they won by one point, you know, that that would have been a good thing. Um, the bottom line is Ohio State won this game and won it convincingly. And we'll, <laughs> we will obviously remember this game as the JT Tumulal 2.0 game and Marvin Harrison. Obviously, those were the stars of the game. JT and Marv just absolutely showed out. Um, we learned Kyle McCord needs to get a lot better with ball placement. Like, not like he kind of needs to get a little bit. No, no, no. Not a little bit, but like a lot better, like markedly better if they're going to achieve their goals. Uh, we also learned this is an elite defense. Now, Penn State's offense, um, certainly not elite, but I love this defense. I love this defense. Absolutely love it. It's too bad they gave up that late touchdown. At least they kept the two-point conversion off the board. Um, but um, the pressure that they got, I mean, Tui Moloal, 
once again, just absolutely collapsing the line of scrimmage. Um, but, you know, Kyle's got to be a lot better. He's got to be a lot better. Now Devin's hurt, so it's not like he'd be like, well, you know, just put – there's not that much of a gap between Kyle and Devin. Just look back to camp, take Ryan Day at his word, and we heard the same thing, that it, it, it was legit, that it was going back and forth. Um, you know, I had heard at one point that, that Devin was ahead. Um, but now that – I mean, hopefully Devin's injury is not serious, but uh, we learned JT had a great game. We learned Marv had a great game. We learned McCord's got to clean up his ball placement big time. And uh, even though, I mean – you know, late he had the you know play that went against him, but Jermaine Matthews for a true freshman out there wearing that number twenty four. I hope he always keeps that. He'll probably go to a single digit, won't he? I hope he keeps that twenty four. Reminds me of Sean Springs. Sean Springs didn't even play as a true freshman. Sean Springs actually redshirted, which is still crazy. But that actually happened. That was a real thing that happened. Sean Springs redshirted and then showed out for three years. My favorite Sean Springs story is nineteen ninety six as a fourth year junior he won big 10 defensive player of the year didn't have an interception the entire year because no one threw his way so i love what i'm seeing out of this defense i thought the running game overall i was happy with the running game overall penn state's defense came in number one in the country in total defense so you've got to give them respect i thought overall ohio state's uh, running game was what I wanted, I, what I said coming into the game, they're not going to rack up rushing yards against this Penn State defense, but they need to be effective. I thought overall they were effective. At times they weren't. Um, I tell you what, it, it ticked me off to no end when the game was 10 to 6 and they had the ball. Kate Stover had a nice hell of a catch. Kate Stover continues to step up, had a hell of a catch. And then they, a couple plays later, it's down to the half yard line you know, third and, and goal from the half yard line. I'm like, just get up there and do a QB sneak. If you need to do it twice. Said so they hand off. Mayan had no chance, gets stuffed. And then I'm like, just kick the field goal. Just make it 13 to six. No, um, they go for it. They threw the pass to Carnell Tate, get stuffed. Um, so, uh, but hey, you beat Penn State 20 to 12. We all would have taken that entering this game. Buckeyes were favored by four. They doubled that. So, I think, you know, this reminds me that this is just we have to kind of, I, I think, switch, I don't know, our focus, our, our viewpoint, because we're so used to Ohio State having this explosive offense under Ryan Day. And other than 2019, when they also had a very good defense, but, but even the last few years of the Urban Meyer era, especially 2018, you know, having a good offense, um, really good offense, but a shaky defense. This is the complete opposite. This is an elite Ohio State defense. This is a silver bullet defense. And this is, a, frankly, a shaky offense. Not a terrible offense. But, yeah, I agree with uh, Chris here, the best damn defense in the land. It sure does look like it. I mean, um, people are wondering, is it Penn State or Michigan has the best defense in the land? Well, is it Ohio State or Michigan is now the question. Yeah, I don't know about the Dallin Hayden situation i'm not sure about that um i i certainly expected him i i man if it's about redshirting i i don't even want to hear that because i thought that that should have been out the window by now the idea that you're going to redshirt dallin hayden um i don't get it he is you know break glass in case of emergency i i again it must be pass pro when i say i don't get it we, we said earlier this week it must be we cracked the code it has to be pass pro Reading between the lines, you don't even have to read between the lines um, that much with Ryan Day. To it has to be pass pro and probably blocking in general, not just pass pro, but just blocking in general. I would like to see at least once a game Kyle McCord keep the ball, and if they have to tell him it's a QB keeper, no matter what, 
even if it's technically a zone read and there's no read, you're faking the handoff and you're running the ball. Because every time the defensive ends are crashing in, if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, there's no threat of McCord running the ball. He did once last week. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe they will mix it in. Again, I'm not saying even twice a game. Just do it once a game. Do it once. It's there every time you want it. You're like, well, you don't want to risk him getting hurt now that Devin Brown's hurt. He doesn't have to take a hit. The defensive end's not even keying on him at all. If somehow somebody happens to be there, then slide and get down. It would be the easiest 10 yards, maybe more, that he'll ever get. Uh, once a game, you got to mix that in to keep the defense honest and to get yourself a cheap first down. I don't get it. All right, we're going to hear from Bill Curlick pretty soon. Game went a little late. I was hoping to start the show a little earlier. Game went a little, uh, it kind of, it was flying by early and then it just kind of sputtered along late. Yeah, I think if, uh, I think Jaden Fielding's a really good kicker. I think Fielding would have hit that field goal. I think our final score would have been 23 to six. It would have kicked it deep. Probably would have, you know, stuffed Penn State. Penn State got a little life there. Was able to get a cheap touchdown late. Eh, makes it look somewhat respectable, but uh, 20 to 12, we will take that. We will take that. Sorry about this. I am I'm texting with Jay Book. So, uh, yeah, keep those questions firing away. We're going to hear from Bill. Get the latest on recruiting in just a moment. Get my guest set up here. This is why I need a – I think I need a producer sometimes so I don't have to do, like, five things at once. I can take all your questions and um, get the guests in line. It's a, it's a one-man band out here on the uh, – what we learned live. But, again, Ohio State 20-12. to 12, We, again, a million times out of a million, we would have taken that entering this game, especially early in this game when it was looking shaky. I like the way the game started out for Ohio State. They come out there, they get a three and out, they come right down the field, and even though it was just a field goal, they established right away who who looked like the better team. Ohio State did right away, and you'd love to get a touchdown there, but like three and out, four first downs. You establish Marvin, you get points on the board. That was big. That was big. Would have been bigger to be go up seven nothing, but just in a game like this to to establish that, and I think we all thought that this was going to be a defensive struggle. Um, so uh, I, I give the the silver bullets a lot of credit. Um, Drew Aller, man, shaky, shaky. His his stats just look atrocious. They look a little better because of that that last drive. I mean, before that, it was like just absolutely anemic. I'm trying to pull up the. Uh, there we go. Especially, I tell you what, I'll pull up the uh, box score in just a moment. Um, right now, we're going to hear from the dean of Ohio State football recruiting, Bill Curlick. Bill, good to see you, my friend. Before we uh, get your thoughts on recruiting, which will be the crux of this visit, your thoughts on this game. Buckeyes uh, win this game 20-12. to 12. What a defensive performance from Ohio State. Yeah, first thing I thought about, actually I was thinking about through a lot of this game, was how a lot of Buckeye fans were pretty disappointed last year in the defense and Jim Knowles, even though they made some improvements, you know, the big plays and all, uh, they just uh, really cost Ohio State last year. And the task going into this season was cut down the big plays. And obviously Ryan Day and, and Jim Knowles got their uh, heads together and Jim Knowles has taken care of that big play problem. And the defense, you know, <laughs> it, it's just been a, tremendous turnaround from two years ago or three years ago or four till where it is right now. Incredible, incredible performance today. Some of the stats, I don't know. I haven't, you, I I heard you say about bringing up the uh, stats or box score, but some of the the stats that I know of near the end of the game, um, 
Penn State failed on their first 15 third down conversion attempts. That's that's just incredible. Um, uh, at one point, um, Ohio State led Penn State as far as possessions in the other team's uh, territory, 33 plays to 10. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I, the, the game was close, but the better team absolutely no doubt won. And High State, hey, I heard Urban Meyer right after the game say Ohio State has the best resume in college football, and I would agree with that 100%. Two wins over top 10 teams. You know, it's interesting, ESPN's football power index, which is just computers analytics, coming into the game today before this, before they beat Penn State by eight, almost beat them by 14, almost beat them by 17, before they had a convincing win over Penn State, ESPN's football power index had Ohio State ranked number one in the country. Yeah, interesting. Well, I only think you can make even more of the case now. No doubt about it. All right, let's get to matters of recruiting. So, like, of like, I don't know where you want to start. Guys at the game today that might be on commit watch. Just uh, let's start with that. Well, you know, back in the old days, and I can go back in the old days because I'm old. Uh, you know, after a game, you would say, "Well, you're going to have two or three commitments by midnight tonight," or uh, by noon tomorrow on Sunday. Well, it doesn't usually work that way anymore, much to the chagrin of a lot of recruiting fans. Kids just very rarely just go ahead and commit and then put it out there. They may commit silently, but they'll have to have time to get their edits ready and their videos and all. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just the way it is now. So, you know, when I say guys that I could see committing soon, I don't necessarily mean, uh, well, the next couple hours here or whatever, they're going to announce it. Uh, when I say soon, I mean, well, maybe this weekend, but more likely in the next few days to even a week. But, you know, some of the guys there that I would certainly want to put in that category is, is one guy I saw last night, Eli Lee, the linebacker from Akron Hoban, I saw play in person last night. And what a performance he had. He was tremendous. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that you want to look for as a potential guy to commit sooner rather than later. Uh, Maxwell Riley from up in uh, Northeast Ohio is an offensive lineman that not necessarily thinking about uh, committing just quite yet, but it wouldn't shock me. Certainly Carter Lowe from Toledo Whitmer. We need offensive tackles. And I, when I say we, I mean the Buckeyes need offensive tackles. Carter Lowe is one of the best in the country for the class of 2025. And, and I, I think he is a guy that, uh, wouldn't shock me if he were to commit soon. Um, Marquise Davis from up in Cleveland, running back, hasn't really indicated that he is necessarily going to commit soon, but you never know. He likes Ohio State a lot. And if you follow the visits, he's been to Ohio State way, way more than any school on his list. So he's another one. Uh, certainly Buckeye fans would love to see Devin Jan Sanchez, the Five-star, absolutely elite corner from Texas. He is here this weekend with his parents. They would love to see him commit soon. And again, I, I wouldn't uh, necessarily predict it, uh, but you just never know. Kids can get caught up in the excitement and know where they want to go and go ahead and make make their decision. And uh, one other guy I'd mention is the one guy that made an official visit this weekend, Amaris Williams, defensive end, edge guy, who is currently committed to Florida. Um, uh, I think any game that he went to, to at Florida this season would be hard-pressed to match what he is seeing and has 
this weekend and what he saw today in the horseshoe. Well, so before we get to 2025, which is really like the, the crux of what's going on right now, what's uh, you know, anything latest with the 2024 class? How many do you think they will add? Um, how are they sitting with Jordan Seaton? Just uh, talk to me about the 2024 class before we move on to 2025. Well, it's the number two class in the country and the 247 sports rankings. That yeah, says quite a bit right there. Uh, there are really three guys in particular um, to keep in, keep in mind. I mentioned one of them, Morris Williams. He is making his official visit this weekend. Uh, Deshaun Warner, an defensive end edge, uh, who is committed to Kansas. He uh, is going to make an official visit uh, for the Michigan State game. Uh, he's another guy to keep in mind. And, of course, as you mentioned, Jordan Seaton, the guy they they absolutely would take this class to the next level. I mean, he is the offensive tackle. And, and Ohio State has a legitimate shot at him. You, you kind of wish he was here this weekend, but he's going to be here the weekend of the Michigan State game and uh, make an official visit that weekend. And a couple other guys just to keep in mind for 2024. Wide receiver Chance Robinson. Uh, he is committed to Miami right now, but uh, he is going to be back at Ohio State uh, for the Michigan State game. And then um, uh, his teammate at Fort Lauderdale St. Thomas Aquinas running, I should say, linebacker Nicholas Rodriguez will likely get back to Ohio State yet this season. He uh, He's a guy also to keep in mind. So uh, those are some guys that, uh, that that I would you know be keeping in mind right now. And then let's look at the 2025 class. Um, it's not really early anymore, as you know. Yeah. I mean, um, they have just three commitments, but they're, I know like they're, that's going to change, I would imagine, pretty quickly, as you alluded to. Just uh, get into your early thoughts on the 2025 class and, um, yeah, just your general thoughts on, on where they stand right now. Well, they've got a great start with Tavian St. Clair, who, in my mind, he is a top one, two, or three quarterback in the country for the class of 2025. I saw him play in person two weeks ago. I've seen him many times at uh, camps, comments, that type of thing in person. And uh, he's, he's really a great quarterback prospect. And he's a guy that can uh, sling the ball for sure. Great arm. But if you need him to, he absolutely can run the ball. Uh, I don't think he's going to be an Urban Meyer, uh, Braxton Miller type quarterback, although, you know, he has a lot of ability running it, but he can run when you need. Too. And I know Bucknuts fans, we see it all the time, Dave, as, as you do what I do. They want the quarterback to run a little bit if possible. So he would be the guy. Then you got Javon Boggs, the wide receiver from Florida, who has had a spectacular, just a great seniors, or I say should say junior season. And then you've got Blake Woodby, an outstanding start to the cornerback commitments that Ohio State is going to get in this 2025 class. So that's a very good start. And you've got some guys that were in the horseshoe today. I mentioned Carter Lowe. He is certainly not the only one. Uh, Marquise Davis would be a big addition. I mean, Byron Lewis from Florida, great running back at Ohio State today. Jamie French, wide receiver that's committed to Alabama is, a, is another one. He came up with the South Florida Express guys um, uh, that, uh, that have done so well for Ohio State. Their, their coach, Brett Getz. Uh, is that was been at Ohio State this weekend? So, just a lot of big time names out there, and, and a number of them were at that game today. And of course, Devin Sanchez. We talked about him. So you, uh, Tavian St. Clair, you saw him against Jonathan Alder. I imagine Division mm -hmm. Three, 
which is still good football. There's seven divisions in Ohio for those who don't know. So it's still like in the upper half. Yeah, division one is the biggest. Seven is the smallest. He's D3. His team's eight and two, leading him to the playoffs. I understand his offensive line is very, very small. He doesn't have that much around him. Tell me more about Tavian St. Clair. Well, when you walk out on the field, you see the tallest, almost the biggest looking guy out there. And it's Tavian St. Clair. It's not an offensive tackle. <laughs> so, you know, they, it is uh, it is not Division One competition, but I've seen Tavian St. Clair play against great competition at Ohio State's camps, seven-on-sevens, that type of thing. And I don't care who he's playing against. He is the real deal. He is an outstanding quarterback prospect. He's six foot four. He's 215 pounds, and he's not even finished his junior season in high school. Well, Bill, I appreciate your insights. I know you have a lot of work to do. Make sure uh, all of our listeners and viewers, please get on Bucknuts and read Bill's work. He's the best in the business. He is the dean of Ohio State football recruiting. Bill, thank you very much for joining What We Learned Live. I appreciate it, my friend. Appreciate it, Dave. And Bucknuts fans are going to have a lot of reactions by the end of today from those top recruits that were at the game today. Uh, I'll have a recruits react. Uh, and I got a feeling that uh, there's going to be plenty of reaction to that game today. Ooh, I like it. I like it. A little foreshadowing there. Good stuff. Great stuff, Bill. Appreciate it, man. Okay. Take care, Dave. All right. Thank you. All right. I meant to ask Bill about his uh, – I promised I'd ask him about his Browns. I lied to him. Bill, I'm sorry about that. Uh, you'll have to text me. Um Shout out to Bill's Browns. I just picked them up in my fantasy. I'm in three fantasy leagues, but my dynasty league, my uh, keeper league, I picked up the Browns defense. They are the number one defense in football. I'm saying this as a Bengal fan. <laughs> They've looked like it every week, including against my Bengals in week one, where they made the Bengals look like a, a freshman team that's winless playing a varsity powerhouse. We're going to hear from Jay Book in just a moment. Um, I see some people are worried that there's Michigan trolls in its comments. I don't know what Michigan people are, are uh, trolling about right now. Are they stealing our signs? How'd they get in here? All right. So here's a guy that never steals signs. He's J he's Jonah Booker. And when he does, he does it the legal way, if he does it all. So, Jay Book, uh, your general thoughts. I mean, 20 to 12, we all would have taken that coming into the game. Your, uh, your thoughts on this win? Dave, if you can see this smile, the defense, man. I'm so proud of that Ohio State defense. Like, it's been years that we've seen a defense just absolutely just pin their ears back and just get after that that opposing team. I'm so proud of what Jim Knowles has done with this defense, Dave. Like, Jermaine Matthews, my goodness, what an absolute stud. I mean, I'm just going – I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have went over, like, the stats in the second half, but you look at that Penn State offense, second half, Four plays, 16 yards punt. Three plays, two yards punt. Three plays, nine yards punt. Three plays, negative five yards punt. Four plays, six yards turnover on downs. Eight plays, negative 22 yards. And then on the very last garbage time, 73 yards in the TD. That's beautiful, Dave. One for 16 on third down. Absolutely masterpiece. Jim Knowles, Tivity Cap. I mean, we this was this was kind of your litmus test to see what this defense is all about, and they pass with flying colors. JT, once again, I mean, he, I thought he played well the entire game, but something about that fourth quarter against Penn State, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to take the game over. How about how, how about we do that? Um, love what I'm seeing at a number 44. He's playing at that All-American level. 
He he absolutely stepped it up. And right now, and as we started to head into November, you want to be playing your best football, Dave. You're starting to see that from JT as well as this defensive line just absolutely dominated that uh, that Penn State front seven. I mean, JT was going up. A lot of people believe that Penn State left tackle. They A lot of people believe he's going to be a top five, top ten pick. He took him behind the woodshed today. Uh, today, Dave, and it was absolutely masterful. I mean, uh, when you look at the offense, definitely left a lot to be desired there. I thought Ryan Day, whenever he called those um, runs up the middle on first down, put the offense off schedule, second and nine, uh, second and eight. That right there put a lot of pressure on Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison Jr. to convert uh, a lot of those third and longs. But other than that, man, I mean, that we can go and pick apart the special teams because there are, you know, several special teams, not only the muff punt, but when you're taught at an early age as a punt returner, they say put your heels on the 10-yard line. And if the ball goes over your head, you let it go into the end zone. I thought fielding the punt inside the 10-yard line also put the offense in bad predicament. So that's something they definitely need to clean up there. But my goodness, Dave, are the silver bullets? Are the silver bullets back, Dave? What do you think, man? Heck yeah, they are. And I know Penn State's offense isn't that good, but my, I mean, they made them just anemic today. Until that last garbage drive they had, which was aided by you know some some sympathy penalties, I will call them some sympathy right. penalties. In Penn State's down twenty to six. Um, they had a total of six yards the entire second half up until then yeah Penn State had six yards the entire second half as you like um illustrated earlier going through like the uh, the early drives six yards they had like up to 24 then the Buckeyes got them on a big loss uh with a sack uh maybe it was eight yards it was either eight or it was definitely single digits it's either eight or six it doesn't really matter um, yeah. so yeah yeah the silver bullets are back we'll get to people want us to talk about McCord we will but I know yeah. you want to say something else about the defense yeah I, I was just going to say like you People are going to say they're going to try to poo-poo this win and say, oh, Penn State's garbage, Penn State's offense, this and that. This is an offense that was coming in that was averaging 40-plus points a game. They they were never a very explosive offense, but they were very effective being methodical. They were averaging about 7.9 plays per game to score a touchdown, but they were doing that extremely well. This Ohio State defense, they were, they were holding Penn State to 108. They held them to 185 yards. 12 points, 73 of those yards came uh, from Penn State on that last drive with 212 left. So overall, you know, you toss out that that garbage time touchdown. You're talking about you're holding a Penn State top 10 team to under 125 yards for the entire game going into two minutes left. That is absolutely great football. Now, you're going to get on social media. You're, you're going to have a lot of uh, people who are rival fans, they're going to try to poo-poo on this win and say Penn State's not who we are, who we thought they were. It doesn't matter to me. Anytime you're a defense and you can go out and hold a top 10 team to under 200 yards, one for six on third down, 1.9 yards per rush, 3.4 yards per pass, that is absolutely outstanding football. I don't care what anyone has to say about what Penn State brings to the table as far as their offense. Yeah, if anybody's like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Penn State's not that good. I certainly hope they put their money where their mouth was. Ohio State was only favored by four by kickoff, four and a half, um, you know, uh, depending on where you look, four and a half, four, and they win this game by eight, and that's because of a you know cheap touchdown late. So, uh, yeah, anybody who's poo-pooing this win um, – <laughs> Can go, can go get lost. That was a 
hell of a good win for Ohio State to win that game and suffocating defensive performance. And uh, if they're going to win it all this year, it's going to be because of this defense. Kyle McCord. All right, now he's not awful, but he's not good. He, he His ball placement leaves a lot to be desired, and I'm being kind. Um, what, what are your thoughts on McCord? If you're, if you're a box reader, you're going to be like, oh, McCord is knocking on the door for 300. <laughs> and, and, but if you really watch the game, he did not play well, Dave. I mean, he, he left a lot out there. He could have easily threw for 350. Penn State could not guard Ohio State wide receivers at all. Now, you did have a few drops there from the wide receivers, but the anticipation with Kyle, like, I don't know why he goes in certain periods of the game, especially in the first half. He goes into like a little shell, like he kind of like dazes off. He's lackadaisical. When he went five for five early on, those are scripted plays. They He knew what to expect from those games because probably, typically when you're going into a college football game, the first 15 to 20 plays of the game, those are all scripted. You practice them all week so you know what to expect um, pretty much. Once they got out of that, out of those scripted plays and he started to really slow down, that's kind of what bothers you. The thing that was worrying, worrying me the most, Dave, is because the defense was playing outstanding. I thought that they early on, they gave the offense four to five possessions to go up early by two touchdowns, um, you know, 10, 15 or 17 points. And the offense could not capitalize. They could not capitalize at all when the defense was playing outstanding. I will say this. Ohio State right now will probably be number one in the country once the playoff polls are released for the simple and – and I will say this, for the simple fact that the playoff committee is going to give a lot of credit for beating two top ten teams at the time. Um, they, will, they will give them credit for the way the defense has performed, but Kyle McCord is not playing at a championship-level caliber right now. He cannot perform the way he's performing – to beat Georgia, to beat Michigan. But there is still room to grow. He still can get better. There's not, you know, it's not to be so so much down on him because there are moments when you look at Kyle and it's like, that's a heck of a throw. He extended the drive. There's other times you're just like, what in the world are you doing? So it's still part of the growing pains. They just need the consistency from him um on a on a more regular basis and if they can get that the way the defense is playing day this this team is going to be they're going to be a tough out especially come november um and i will say this before we move on to the next topic i thought the offensive line did a darn good job today i know they didn't add they didn't have the yards per carry that they really want to but going into this game there was so much talk about the Penn State front seven being absolutely loaded with NFL talent, how they're going to be able to handle the pressure from that Penn State front seven. Yeah, it hurts Penn State that they lost Chop Robinson early on, but they still have a lot of quality guys with Abdul Carter, Abdul Carter and those other guys. And I thought that going up against Penn State, this was going to be the biggest test for this offensive line. And they held up, they held up extremely well um, in the pa- in the pass rushing attack from that Penn State defensive front. So, hey, good job, guys. Hey, get better. You're not where you need to be, but you play better than what I thought they were going to play going into this game. So Penn State knew coming in, especially they knew – if a Mecca played, he'd be limited. There's a really good chance he wouldn't play, and he didn't play. So they know, even if a Mecca was out there, they're like, we're going to make sure that we 
cover Marvin Harrison Jr. We're going to double him. We're going to shadow him. So, like, Marvin Harrison Jr. was a wanted man coming in, and he still shows out. Even with Kyle <laughs> McCord throwing the ball, like, you know, all around, he still was making plays. And, again, I, I, Kyle's not bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying right now he's not playing good either. We got to call a spade a spade. He's, like, average right now because you said sometimes he's making good throws. But Marvin bailed him out sometimes, and sometimes Kyle put the ball in the money. But, my goodness, Jay Book, I mean – Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, we've seen yeah. so many great receivers come through here. I know I'm not breaking news. He might be the best we've seen. And the Indianapolis Colts might back their way into getting uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, early in the first round. And the the thing that you have to look at about this team, Dave, is the defense is so good right now. They're playing at such a high clip that the defense is always going to keep you in games. Um, that's the big thing. Number one, they're going to keep you in games. Now, when you have an, uh, uh, a chess piece like in Marvin Harrison Jr., he's the one that can tip the scales in your favor for you to win that game. You just have to make sure that Kyle McCourt is not doing anything to hurt the offense. And I will say this again, Dave. I felt like Ryan Day at times – put the offense off schedule by calling those first down runs early on when you're putting Kyle McCoy in second and nine, second and eight. That right there is putting your quarterback in a very difficult situation that I don't necessarily believe that he needs to be in. When you look at Kyle McCoy playing at his, at his highest level, Dave, what is he doing? They're going more tempo. They're, they're letting him uh, pick the pace up when they're going methodical run it on first down for one yard, drop back for second down, um, throw a, you know, a, a short route or run it on second down, now you're in third and long. That's when you start to see McCore get into a tough situation. So I would like to see him do a little bit more tempo because I thought once they were in tempo this game, that's when you start to see him really start to light it up with Marv. Yeah, I wrote that down in my notes, and then I had to kind of cross it out. I was like, look, finally Ohio State's using tempo, and it's working, and then it's like, well – it was there for like five minutes and then they decided not to use it for whatever reason. But <laughs> again, I mean, at one point, I'm sure Ryan Day, probably very, very early in the game, thinking Penn State's offense can't do anything. Like, let's just, let's just, at the end of the first half, you know, I know Joel Klatt, many were wondering, why don't you take a shot here? Ohio State had the ball at their own 17. They're up by four. I didn't mind it. I'm usually like, be aggressive, be aggressive, but Penn State couldn't do anything. I want to ask you about Dallin Hayden. I've had questions about that. We still are getting comments about that. I'm flummoxed. I thought the, the idea of redshirting him was out the window. Maybe it still is, but, like, why not get Dallin Hayden out there today? I thought Mayan overall played well. Um, I, I don't know why Dallin Hayden is just buried on this bench, Jay Book. Yeah, I, I think Dallin definitely gives you a lot more boom when it comes to the running back position. There's been a lot of talk that they're concerned about his pass blocking ability. They're a little worried that this Penn State front was going to be able to put some pressure on Kyle McCord, and that was going to require Dallin Hayden uh, to get in there and stick his nose in somebody's chest and have to step up and make a, a big boy uh, pass block. And that was something that he struggled up against against Purdue. So I do believe that is one of the reasons why that you didn't see him a lot. And just looking at what you're getting from Maya, Mayan Williams and, and Chip, those are very good backs, but they're not explosive back, Dave. I think that if you could have at least got Dallin in there for a change of pace to kind of throw them off guard, I thought that it would really help this offense. And you said it, Dave. I mean, the red shirt thing, it, it, really, it really confuses me because 
you're in, you're probably going to start number one once the playoff committee released the polls. It's all hands on deck. Regardless of if you're trying to redshirt a guy, uh, retain somebody's eligibility, you're in the mode now like, hey, we're trying to win this because not to not to try to get ahead of yourself, Dave, um, ourselves right now. But you look at the schedule that's coming up ahead. Ohio State should be undefeated going into Michigan and the way this defense is playing. Once they get that taste in their mouth and they get that momentum rolling, this defense is they're hell on wheels. They gotta get. They gotta figure out the offense and get that offense playing at a more consistent level. Because once they can become a more complete football team, this team has the capability to make a run in the playoffs and beat Michigan up in Ann Arbor. Because you have a defense now that can travel. You have a defense once the weather starts to get bad in Big Ten country. You have a defense that can travel. You got to be able to have a consistent rushing attack that can travel once the weather starts to turn bad. And I think a guy like Dallin Hayden can give you that opportunity whenever someone's banged up because Travion Henderson is he in, is he out, is he in, is he out. As much as we love Travion Day. He's not someone that you can necessarily depend on right now. You've seen it throughout his career. Ever since he's a freshman, you don't know if he's going to be in one week or out one week. You don't know if he's hurt one week or healthy one week. So I, I just think that with the stakes so high, having a talented player like Dallin Hayden sitting on the sideline, it doesn't do the program or the offense any justice. You and I haven't talked about anything. We haven't talked. We didn't talk during the game. We didn't text or anything. When the game's 10 to 6 in the second half, Ohio State has the ball at Penn State's half yard line, third and goal from the, the inches away. Were you like me? Were you yelling, quarterback, QB sneak, QB sneak, QB sneak? <laughs> and said they the slow handoff to Maya. Yeah. chance he gets stuffed for two yards and then but minus two yards. And then he had the, the failed pass. Well, I mean, completed pass on fourth down. I mean, What's what's right? He did a quarterback sneak last week. Why not do a QB sneak right there? Just do the yeah. Just do the quarterback sneak. And some people disagree with me on on Twitter. After you got into that fourth down, I would have taken the points, Dave. At this yep. point, at this point, when you're up ten to six, points are a premium. Your defense is playing lights out. You go up seven right now, and the way your defense is shutting them down because at that point in the game. Penn State only had about 20 yards of offense and everybody on both sides of the ball, they're struggling to get points. You go up seven, you're feeling a little bit. You can take a sigh of relief and say, all right, we wanted seven. We didn't get seven, but we're about to kick the ball off up seven points with my defense playing absolutely stonewall football. Um, so at this point, they won the game, Dave, but you have to look back and say, here we go again, short yardage. And, and a lot of people blame the players, Dave, when it comes to short yardies. But you also have to question Ryan Day some of the play calls yes. when you're when you're on short yardies. Like you go back to the Notre Dame, you're on fourth and one, you run a reverse with a mecca. Uh, you're on fourth and one on your goal line here, and you're running a swing pass to Carnell Tate. If at that point, if I'm going to throw the football. I got to have Maserati Marv, as Gus like to say, with the football in his hands to try to make a play if it's fourth and one in a top 10 matchup. I mean, Gus, just when I think like he can't like entertain us anymore, he comes up with Ma- Maserati Marv. Marvelous <laughs> Maserati Marv. I love it. I absolutely love yeah. it. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, Dave, man. This is a great 
great win yeah, for the pro. Yes. This is a great win for the program. Like I'm gonna have the rest of my Saturday, man, with a smile on my face. Like, hey, the Silver Bullets are back, baby. Like the defense is playing some high level caliber football because we've Ohio State has won a lot of football over the last several years, and we got in the way with just out athleting people and saying, man, the defense left a lot to be desired. Right now, you're just seeing an absolute elite defense, and that right there, that right there is beautiful to see, Dave. I'm fired up, man, for this win. My Maserati goes 185. I lost my license. Now I can't <laughs> drive. Oh, I love that line. Uh, any final thoughts before I let you go, my friend? That's it, man. Hey, great win. Um, I think Wisconsin, that's still going to be a hard-hitting affair. Wisconsin, they don't have an offense that's going to be able to keep up with Ohio State. The biggest thing for Ohio State, Dave, is injuries, getting healthy. Um, is You better believe that Luke Fickle will have that team ready to go. Ohio State should be able to go up there and, and handle business. But just getting everyone healthy – and just learn from the, on the offense, you got to be able to, when the defense is playing that elite, playing that well, put teams away early on. Like, step on their throat, man. Have that killer mentality. Yeah, it seemed like they were that close to just putting Penn State away. I mean, 20 to 6 basically was putting them away. But I'm with you, man. Like, we can, like, pick apart certain things. And we got to call a spade a spade with certain things. Like, Kyle McCord was shaky today. But this was not a good win. It was a great win. A great win. Great yep. stuff always out of a great one, Jonah Booker. Appreciate it, my friend. All right. Talk to you next week, Dave. Yes, sir. Thank you. He is the one and only Jonah Booker. Great hearing from Jay Book. Great hearing from the Dean of Ohio State Football Recruiting, Bill Kurlick. We'll hear from Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwagon after post-game interviews, which are going on right now inside the Victory Tower at Ohio Stadium. Most of you probably know that. That's where post-game interviews are at, inside that Victory Tower. Um, the third floor, the second floor is the big recruiting area. It's pretty nice in there. And the third floor, not quite as nice because it's the media area. And it's a, it's a cluster of clusters in there. Um, for those that don't know, you hear that, hear the bell going off in there in that, uh, interview room. I mean, the bell isn't going off by the time coach day gets in there and the players, but, um, yeah. And the visiting post-game press conference is not in that room. It's in the opposite side of the field, the opposite tower, the one closer to Moral Tower there on the, it would be the southwest side of the stadium. So, all right, let's uh, hit me up with some questions. I know. Where are all the Penn State fans at, Dave, as Jeremiah Yoder on YouTube is asking. I know they, I listen, I, I have enjoyed the Penn State fans all week. They've been increasing the views of our podcasts all week. We've had very good, uh, Views anytime we talk about Penn State. Did anybody see before the game when James Franklin and Ryan Day, James Franklin gave him a big bear hug and then said something? He covered his mouth and said something. They both started laughing. I would bet anything that had something to do with Michigan, right? I mean, had to. Had to. What else would he be like? Ah, and they're both like, ha ha. You know, it had to be like something like about like, can you believe that they got busted for that? Is you know, whatever they said, whatever they said. Um, and that's one thing Ohio State and Michigan, or excuse me, Ohio State and Penn State fans have in common, don't like Michigan. Like Michigan State and Ohio State fans, um, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So uh, I'd like to say the Michigan State-Michigan game is going to be inter interesting tonight, but it won't be. <laughs> Even if, uh, you know, Michigan doesn't know Michigan State signs, Michigan State's really bad at the football. Uh, you never know. I mean, that is, you know, I mean, that is a rivalry game. Um, but 
Michigan's favored by 24 and a half. Michigan State is a shell of what they should be. <laughs> well, that's nice of you. I'm not the only guy that asks tough questions, though. I appreciate that, Eddie, on YouTube for the shout out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, people are trying to. I would say I would say I could read lips. Ended said uh, they must be saying quote that pos Harbaugh. Yeah, I'd say I could. I, I'm pretty good at reading lips, but you know when you cover your face up, it makes it a little harder. But they are definitely talking about Harbaugh. If you, if you ask me, I'm not a Jed. You guys hate James Franklin. I don't hate James Franklin. Maybe because he's one and nine against Ohio State. It's like I don't I don't hate him. Kind of like Notre Dame. I don't really hate Notre Dame. They're what like zero and six against Ohio State in my lifetime. It's like. Listen, man, I don't, there's only enough hate to go around. I'm not saying I like, listen, you got some people saying, I'm not saying I, I love James Franklin, but I see a lot of Ohio State fans that like hate him. I, mean, I don't hate him. Like, he's okay. He's all right. I'm glad, I mean, I'm kind of glad he's Penn State's coach, right? One and nine. It's Ohio State's best string ever against Penn State. Ohio State's been good overall against Penn State since Penn State's joined the conference, but this is the only time they've won seven straight. He hadn't, he hadn't even won six straight up until last year. Now they've won seven straight. Yeah, exactly. James Franklin's all right. He's just not elite. Yeah. I'm curious what Penn State fans think. Are you good? Like, let's say they go 10 and two again this year. They lose to Ohio State and Michigan, which seems pretty damn likely. You okay with that? Do you feel like if you got rid of James Franklin, it could get worse? You know, almost like a Frank Solich situation. Although I don't know if he stayed at Nebraska if really they had staying power, even though people love to bring that up, even though I just brought it up. But seriously, if you're sitting there at 10 and 2, 11 and 2, if you win your bowl game every year, are you good with that if you're Penn State? You know, or are you thinking, man, we've got to like figure out a way to get past Ohio State and Michigan because now you're one and nine against Ohio State in the James Franklin era. If we have any Penn State fans out there, let me know. Let me know what you think. And today wasn't really competitive. You look at the total yards, I mean, Ohio State almost doubled the total yards. Penn State got that late touchdown to make it look a lot better than what it could have looked. Uh, I'm just really curious. I'm sure we don't have too many Penn State fans tuning in. Guaranteed, we have a ton of Penn State fans tuning in if Penn State would have won. They were waiting in the they were waiting in the bushes. A lot, a lot, a lot of people picked Penn State to win this game. Straight up, not just against the spread. General Chrome on YouTube. Where was Hayden? We talked about this. I know a lot of you are just joining. I'm not, you know, fire away with any questions you guys have. Um, I don't know. I'm surprised by it too. You know, I'm not shocked because apparently they're still trying to redshirt them, I guess. I don't I don't know. I thought that would be out the window by now. Or they're thinking, we'll just, you know, as long as we have two healthy backs, which they had today, or three including prior, four including Hayden. Um, unless we have to play them, don't play them. I I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could give you guys a good answer. Early in the year when people were asking me, why isn't Hayden playing? I'm like, I think because they're trying to redshirt him. And then Ryan Day confirms that. And then they had needed him last week against Purdue because after, you know, they already were without Trey and Mayan. And then obviously Chip got, you know, what looked like a concussion. So they had to play Dallin. And he looks good. He played well. 11 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. And you're thinking he's got to play this week, right? And he doesn't. I don't have a good, I don't have a, a, a good answer for you, but um I did think Mayan ran the ball well, Chip at times as well. Chip Chip got benched after missing a block, it looked like to me. I know some of you pointed that out as well. I, I will re-watch the game. Um, 
probably Monday morning is when I usually do it. After we do our podcast Monday, I'll rewatch the game and then I'll do a written version of what we learned. Uh, that was the uh, genesis of this podcast was we used to do the, the written version of what we learned right after the game. And now I do the podcast right after the game and I'll, I do the written version of what we learned every Monday. Um, let's see if uh, post-game interviews are still going on. I'm curious uh, what the mood is. It's got to be a very good mood. Jay Book said it. I mean, we can pick apart certain things and we and we will. This is We're analyzing what we learned from this game. Um, the Comic Accord's ball placement's got to get a lot better, for example. Um but overall, this is a hell of a win. A hell of a win. All right. Uh, yeah, fire away with questions. If I missed how many more games? Yeah, if I missed any of your questions, please keep firing away. Um, there's been so many. of them. <laughs> appreciate all of you joining me. There's a lot of people here. I love it. I absolutely love it. Neil Harris on YouTube. How many more games can he play? He can play in two more. He's played in two so far. So he can play in two more. So maybe they're thinking, let's just not play him until Michigan and then, you know, maybe the CFP or whatever. I, I don't know. They can play as many as four and still redshirt. So you can play in two more games and still redshirt. I don't know. Doug on YouTube, did Kenyatta Jackson record any stats besides snaps? I'll have to go back and check. I don't think so, but I saw him get pressure at least once, and it's good to see him getting in there. Man, they were so disruptive, and I love some of the twists and stunts that they were doing. Um You'd blitz a linebacker up the middle, and then you know a D end would twist around, or a D tackle would. Tw- I mean, I just Jim Knowles. Hats off, Jim Knowles. Hats off to Jim Knowles. I mean, that was and I, again, Penn State's defense, or excuse me, uh, Penn State's offense is not going to be confused with a great one, but that was a great defensive performance, and the Silver Bullets are back, baby. Silver Bullets are back. Because even against shaky offenses last year, they were giving up big plays. Penn State and Sean Clifford scored 31 against them last year, and that's with Tui Molowal taking over the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, if you forget, the game was 44-31 to 31 last year. Very fitting that Ohio State's score was 44 when number 44 took that game over. But, uh, again, the highlights of this game, JT, once again, JT is playing like an All-American. The defensive line overall, I love it. The defense overall, even without Denzel Burke, I mean, they just completely drew Aller's stats or look embarrassing. We even had a Michigan fan jump in here and say, now I know why Ohio State didn't really recruit Drew Aller. It really wasn't that. It's really what they would have. They did late offer him. It's just Penn State was in on him early. Ohio State had Quinn Ewers who reclassified. It was just a, a weird um, storm. I won't call it a perfect storm, maybe an imperfect storm. Um, Drew Aller seems like a nice kid from a nice family. I'm not going to talk any bad about him. They grew up a Buckeye fan. There's pregame show showed him and his mom and you know going to games as, as Buckeye fans him and his mom and his dad Buckeye fans so uh, it's just one of those things he could have gone to Michigan Michigan was in on him before Ohio State was and he, he picked Penn State man Ohio State was all over him and uh he was shaky you know a lot of times it was because of Ohio State's defense was why Drew Aller was shaky no doubt about it but then, then there were times where Drew Aller just it's not accurate with the football he can't throw the ball down the field I wondered coming into this game, because Penn State was among the worst teams in the country as far as throwing the ball down the field, um, you know, and I wondered, is that because they haven't shown it yet? Are they saving it? Which didn't seem likely. You would think you'd want to at least practice it because um, they were blowing everybody out. But I, we knew we would find out today. And we found out they just can't throw the ball down the field at all. Uh, give Ohio State credit. But also Drew, Drew Aller was shaky. But JT looks like an All-American. Jim Knowles, hats off to Jim Knowles. Marvin Harrison Jr., just give him, if he stays healthy, give him the Bolitnikoff right now. It's like the old Maurice Claret quote entering his senior year of high school. He said, there you have my name on that Mr. Football trophy. 
I just have to drive down to Columbus and get it. Yeah, I mean, Marvin Harris, even the, the Bolitnikoff committee is usually asleep. I think they might even wake up enough for this one. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s name is already on that Bolitnikoff trophy. He just has to go down and get it. I think to Orlando. Bolitnikoff headquarters is actually in Tallahassee, the Tallahassee uh, quarterback club. But I think they give that out at the ESPN Awards in Orlando. doesn't matter. Marvin better get it. He should have got it last year. They gave it to the kid from Tennessee because the kid from Tennessee had better stats. But you couldn't find one coach in college football that would have taken that kid over Marvin Harrison Jr. How great would we be downfield if we didn't have Marv? Yeah, not not good at all, Lens. Lens on Lens Breezy on YouTube. Yeah, not good. It would have been pretty bad. And, and, you know, maybe they were thinking that it looked like a Mecca could have played if it was absolutely necessary. Um, I, I like that they held him out. I think they learned their lesson last year trying to bring JSN back too early. Um, and, um, you know, why risk it if you don't need to? I love that. That's one thing. I mean, you know, you got a stud out there. Milk that cow, baby. I mean, it's just why not? Why not? You've got perhaps the best receiver to ever come through Ohio state and they have an endless list of first round picks and second round picks that have showed out like Michael Thomas, third round picks, Terry McLaurin on and on and on. Chris Carter was a supplemental pick. Um, I mean, to call somebody the best receiver to come through Ohio state, that is immense praise. And I think we're seeing it though. I think we're seeing it. And he had a bad uh, game last week for his standards um, and still had over a hundred yards <laughs> and a touchdown. So, uh, but he had like three drops last week, at least I thought he had four. I think he was only credited for three. Had a drop again today, but uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is just special. He's absolutely special. Kyle McCord's got to clean up his ball placement. There's just no doubt about it. There's no sugarcoating it. And I would love to see – I meant to ask J-Book this. This is one thing I would meant to ask J-Book before he, he uh, dipped out of here because that was me saying, you know, is there anything else you want to say? Um, wasn't like J-Book got out of here early. I don't know why Coach Day's averse to the QB sneak. He should have once last week against Purdue um, and not – making sure Kyle McCord just to keep the defense honest doesn't keep the ball once again. I just don't get it. You know, again, I'm not asking for Kyle McCord to run the ball even three times per game. Like once would be nice, twice. Patrick Murphy. Hey. Live from Ohio Stadium. All right, you're uh, before we get like the biggest thing from interviews, uh, what's your uh, takeaway from this 20 to 12 Ohio State victory over Penn State? Slugfest, right? I mean, how, how else do you describe a game like that? Uh, this defense is legit. I don't think you can question that at all at this point. Um, look, Penn State's offense certainly has not uh, it's not been electrifying, similar to what we've seen with Ohio State. Drew Aller looked uncomfortable, but Ohio State certainly had a part to play in that, right? Uh, the Buckeyes got pressure on him. Um, you know, they, they limited what was open for him downfield. I, I mean, it's just this is about the defense today. The offense did what it needed to do, and you know there, there still needs to be improvements there. But when you have a defense like this, you're going to be in games at the very least. And, and if your offense has players like a Marvin Harrison Jr. or a Cade Stover, the two guys that I think really stepped up, uh, and Mayan Williams to some degree too, but you know, you, you're going to be able to win some, some big games. And now they've done that twice, once here and once on the road. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, biggest things, I'm sure it was a very happy interview room for, for the Buckeyes. Uh, your biggest takeaways from post-game interviews? Yeah, Ryan Day, I mean, some of that I just touched on with the uh, with the defense. Yeah, he's. It, I think it's still so weird for Buckeye fans. It's weird for me to watch this team win ugly. Um, and ugly is probably not the right term, but just win – you know, in, in a way that's different than what they've done. They're not scoring 45 points a game. They're not 
Um, you know, they, they're not driving up and down the field and, and things like that. Even in a, a game against Penn State, another really good team last year, it was, what was it, 41 to 33 or something like that? I mean, this was just 40, a whole different game. 4-31. There you go. So it's it's just – I think Ryan is is okay with it, but it's just different for everybody. And he talked about – um, you know, Marv and, and what he did, it's second straight year. He's had 10 catches that went for first downs. Um, another just ridiculous day for him. And it's it's funny. We talked to him afterwards and he was asked about, because Ryan said, you know, he, he doesn't know, he hasn't watched every player in the country, but he doesn't know how Marvin isn't in the conversation for all of the major individual awards at this point. And Marvin was asked about like, does the Heisman mean anything to you? And he said, well, it'd be a really big honor to win it. And uh, which, yeah. He said it's not a motivating factor, but it was nice to hear somebody actually admit, like, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to win that. Uh, he was great. We talked to JT Tumalau as well. He talked about just like the the energy that this defense has right now. Uh, the they know that there was the talk early about the defensive line and not getting the the sacks, and that's not what he's focused on. They want to get pressure. He knew the sacks would come, um, you know, it, it, and they have. They've started to to get there a bit more. But, uh, you know, like right now, it's it's just kind of this this team effort led by this defense, I think, is the way I'd kind of phrase what's going on with the Buckeyes. And, and that was kind of the message from the press conference. Yeah, I, I'm not seeing a good defense out of Ohio State. I'm seeing an elite defense, an elite yeah. defense. This is exactly what I wanted to see from this defense. Uh, JT is playing like a superstar and they were without their number one corner who I think is going to be a first-round pick, uh, Denzel Burke, to do that. I mean, they just look tremendous. Um, I want to ask you about Kyle McCord. Um, again, I, I want to be clear. Kyle's not bad, um, but, like, he's got to get a lot better with his ball placement if they're going to get where they want to. Now, maybe with his defense, and they want they won a national championship with Craig Krenzel, but Craig would, hold, would, would, you know, tuck the ball and run and pick up, you know, key first downs. You don't see that out of Kyle. But Kyle's got the arm talent. You see some throws, it's like, wow, that was an NFL throw. And you see like two or three throws in a row. You're like, what the hell is he doing? Like the ball placement just needs to get a lot better with Kyle. Yeah. And real quick, you, you mentioned Denzel Burke. Coach Day said that he was close to being able to go this week. That's and cool. they, they want him. They, they believe that he'll be back in practice, but they'd like to have him have a full week of practice to be able to play next week. So sounds positive there. But yeah, for me with Kyle, it's, it's the consistency of it. Because as you said, you see it on some throws that it's there, right? And then there's other throws where it's like, what is he looking at there? You know, like, how, how did he miss by that much? Um, you know, there were even a couple caught today. Marvin had one, I remember, in the first half that, you know, it was it was catchable for Marvin because he's Marvin Harrison Jr., but it wasn't a good throw. And then there are some that, you know, he reads the defense and, and makes some really good plays. And I don't know if it's when he stops thinking and just plays when he can really uh, – when we when he can really kind of get going, uh, I, that that's something they certainly need to figure out. But I do think you make a good point. I don't know if he's Craig Krenzel, but it reminds me a lot of like a Mac Jones. And I know that offense was really explosive, but like Mac Jones isn't the best quarterback in the world. And I think when you have all the weapons, though. he was in he college, was he was accurate. Like, Kyle's he, not accurate at yeah, all. Yeah, but I think when Kyle has his full complement, let's remember no Mecca today. And I think and I you know you and I discussed well we, we discussed this on the message boards a little bit when I wrote about I thought Emeka was going to be the guy they would miss the most if he couldn't play there are a couple of throws today where Emeka makes big plays and he's just he's Emeka Buka for a reason 
And, you know, I think when he's out there, it, it certainly makes life easier on Kyle. Carnell Tate's starting to come on, but I get it. I get what you're saying. I, I don't mean to necessarily compare Kyle and Mac Jones. I'm just saying with the defense that's playing this well, you just need a guy who's not going to make a big mistake. He hasn't done that, really. Um, there have been a couple throws where they could have gone the other way, but it, it hasn't yet. And I think with the way the defense is playing, you just need to make the plays to win the game, especially in these these really big games, right? That's exactly right. Kyle doesn't have to be great. He's got to be better, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah. Beat Michigan. I don't think anybody else on this schedule, you know, I was not worried about at Wisconsin. I'm still not writing it off. Trust me. At Wisconsin at night. I've been around long enough. I'm not writing that game off, especially with Luke's going to have his guys ready. But with Mordecai, probably out with the broken hand. Um, Wisconsin, he wasn't even looking that good with Mordecai. It's really just Michigan. Um, he just needs to be solid. You know, if he can be solid, this defense is going to, especially now that Michigan doesn't know their, their signals ahead of time, um, uh, I think just a solid Kyle McCord will, will be plenty good enough. Okay, we have a question for you here. Um, it seemed loud on TV. Uh, Patrick, Doug wants to know, Patrick, was the crowd loud throughout? Yeah, for sure. It's it's always a little bit difficult to tell when we're in the press box because we're behind giant thick glass and they didn't open the windows today, which was unfortunate. Uh, but it was definitely loud. We came down in the fourth quarter. Uh, obviously, as Penn State's driving there at the at the end, it, you know this place this place gets nuts. And um, you know, I, I don't know if it's as loud as any place in the country. You know, you can debate other places. Penn State, obviously, Madison, you mentioned, but certainly it's it's up there. And you know, today was. I'm always impressed with what Ohio Stadium can do on these big noon games. I know people complain about them, but they still seem to get up for them and you know take care of whatever they need to do pregame to be loud. I thought it was pretty impressive again today. Before we bring in Steve Hellwagon and let you go, um, any news on Devin Brown? Was that brought up at the press conference? Um, Coach State didn't say that, you know, kind of update on what he did. I know they said on the broadcast it was an ankle sprain. He did say that they had a number of – plays put in for him um he mentioned specifically like a four minute drive towards the end of the game uh, that he thought he would have been able to kind of melt things away a little bit more so i think it would have been interesting to see what they did with devin i know i said last week i'm not a huge fan of kind of quarterbacks coming in and out but if they're going to do it i would like to see what what the plan is there uh you hope it's something where they can you know treat it this week tape him up and, and he'll be good to go uh Obviously, they struggled in the red zone without him, right? The the play at the end, I don't know. If I were Coach Day, I would have kicked the field goal when they went for it on, I think it was the two-yard line, fourth and goal, through the throw to Carnell Tate. Um, yeah, certainly you want to think, if that's the way you're going to score in the red zone, then you're going to need Devin back. Uh, a sprained ankle could be bad, I mean, in theory, but it certainly, I was worried he did something worse based on kind of the, the slow-mo replay. You saw his face just like... You know, pain. Um, so I think it's maybe a better, maybe better news you hope for him. All right, my friend, get back to work. We're going to bring in Steve Hellwagon. Thank you, Patrick. All right. See you, Dave. Patrick Murphy from Ohio Stadium. Let's bring in Steve Hellwagon. Steve, I'm going to get your uh, thoughts on post game interviews in just a moment. Just uh, your biggest takeaway from this big win for the Buckeyes 20 to 12 over Penn State. I know it played out kind of like what you were expecting. You thought this would be like an old school defensive struggle, and it was. Yes, it was a crazy old school uh, defensive struggle with a lot of conservative play calling. And anybody, anytime anybody tried to take a chance or take a shot, that was quickly swept away by the opposing defense. 
you know, kind of like, you shouldn't even be thinking about trying to do that. <laughs> it was kind of the reaction. But Ohio State finally found some traction. And it was a little bit with the run game, but it was much more with Kyle McCord throwing the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kate Stover. And they had a drive where they got it, as the one maybe you guys are referencing, they got it down there to the one-yard line, uh, two-yard line, whatever. I think Devin Brown got tackled at the one, and then they got knocked back to the two. But you got to score a touchdown there. And uh, I didn't have a problem going for it there either. Uh, but that needs to be a touchdown in that situation. And, you know, I'm not looking to find fault with anything that they really did here today because Penn State is, again, you know, man, this damn glass ceiling for them. And, and again, I don't mean to make light of it, but it just they, – they punch and they punch and they punch and they just can't seem to get to Ohio State's level or Michigan's level and – you know, on a consistent basis. I mean, this is seven wins in a row in the series, 11 of the last 12. Uh, you know, let me tell you, if both Ohio State and Penn State wanted to remain rivals on an annual basis, it would have happened. Those things just didn't. Somebody in Chicago didn't assign one of the dumbass schools three rivals just on their own whim. Ohio State got assigned one. Penn State got assigned none. And, uh, you know, today probably tells you why, because – I think they're they're ready to start looking at the other sideline and see some other color other than scarlet and gray. I'm sure it was a very happy interview room as I was talking with Patrick. What what was your main takeaway or takeaways from post game interviews? Because I haven't heard anything yet, so I'm always curious what you and Patrick are your main takeaways from interviews. Yeah, I think there were several themes. I think first of all, you have to give the Ohio State defense uh, complete credit and props for this. Uh, Penn State coming into the game was like 19th in the country in third down conversions at 48%. They were one of 16 today. That is – and the one they got, Dave, was in the final minute on the play right before the touchdown, like a play or two right before the touchdown that they finally scored. So they don't even get it till the 59th minute in a possession that should never have gone that long or, you know, whatever. But, you know, the 14-point lead, you just kind of like – hey, let, let the clock continue to roll and let's get out of here. But um, So it was a command performance. One of the great Ohio State defensive performances that, that I can recall against a top-10 team in my lifetime. I mean, maybe uh, that year with Coop when they beat them 38-7 to here was probably pretty good in 1996. Uh, they beat them here 13-6 to in the General Mills uh, interception to Chris Gamble game. But uh, – you know, I just look at it, and and you have to give this defense total and complete credit. I mean, every time they were asked to make a play, they rose to the occasion. JT Tuimiloau is playing out of his mind right now. Josh Proctor had one of the greatest games of his life, I would venture to say. Uh, I mean, he had uh, that third down incompletion. He batted the pass. That was a huge play. I mean, just so many guys rose up on third down and made plays. It wasn't that Penn State, uh, you know, just threw a ball out there to air and nobody was out there and Ohio State got to jump around and celebrate. No, they jumped around to celebrate because somebody made a tackle for a loss or a sack or a pressure or a deflection. I mean, my God, Jermaine Matthews, true freshman, out there balling out. I mean, that that's – that. See, that's what championship teams are able to do in this situation. When you lose guys like Denzel Burke, 
you got a guy who's, you know, not as polished, not as experienced, but he's pretty good. And he goes right in there and does it. That's the first thing. The second thing is Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, whoever the, again, I'm going to use the word again, the dumbasses at ESPN that did this midseason All-American team and had the audacity to put Marvin Harrison Jr. as an honorable mention. pick. I don't know who they had on their first team, but those guys can't hold a candle to this guy that we saw today who put on a master class of how to beat a top 10 team almost single-handedly on offense. He and McCord, I know McCord, good Lord, 22 of 35, probably six or seven of those are completely on him. I mean, high, wide, high, wide. He, he's missing too many guys high and wide. And I just, I don't get it. Uh, now, he did have a couple drops, uh, you know, just, you know, that, that are going to happen. But if he hones that in, I mean, that one to Tate down the middle, Dave, if he leads Tate on that, that's like an 80 yard touchdown. You know, I yep. mean, that's, he is out the door and gone. And, you know, it's behind him. Uh, just too many t- guys are having to contort too much to, to make these catches for him. And having said that, he still had a great day. I mean, I don't know what else to say. They, they just carved up the number one defense in all in the sport, you know, with an asterisk that says asterisk. Didn't really play anybody the first six weeks. So, you know, in West Virginia is a claim to fame and they're 78th in total offense. I mean, you might check yourself before you wreck yourself but uh you know man they, they got some dudes over there though they they hit they made some plays i mean high state's gonna have some bruises after this one that's for sure we'll get you out of here on get you out of here on this steve larry on youtube steve do you agree the offensive line played well for the buckeyes today i thought at times they did i thought at times they got into a rhythm running the football and then you turn around and the wrong guys are running it you know they ran that uh uh, that option play that uh, they ran the pitch, if that's Dallin Hayden or somebody else, that's 20 yards. And with mine, it was four. And, you know, give mine his credit, 20, 24 carries. You know, he, he did it. He, he did everything that, that he could possibly do. Maybe sometimes it wasn't blocked perfectly, but with other guys, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be blocked entirely perfectly like it does with him because he just can't turn the corner. He just can't get outside. And they kept trying to put the square peg in the round hole. And then they finally put Trianum back in the game there toward the end. But, you know, by that point, it was a Marvin Harrison, Kate Stover kind of day. Just keep feeding those guys the ball. So uh, offensive line, how do I feel that they played? I think that uh, they put them behind and down a distance a couple times there in the second half with a hold, maybe a false start or something. Uh, you know, one of the sacks – uh, they didn't block the guy, you know, it was no, no, it was a complete breakdown. It wasn't the left tackle or the right tackle. It was, you know, no, nobody, nobody recognized what was going on and they turned the guy loose and, uh, you know, and, and that's what happened. But uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would give those guys a B plus solid B plus. They gave McCord plenty of time to get uh, things done. And this was against the team that had 27 sacks. That's three and a half per game coming in. Uh, they probably got two or three today, but uh, it wasn't enough pressure to, to knock McCord off of his rhythm or anything like that. So uh, I would give him a BB plus. Steve, I'll give you an A plus. All right, get back to work, my friend. Thank you for hopping on the podcast. All right, bro. It's on to Wisconsin next week. And I'm going to tell you, you know, Wisconsin, I, they're playing right now. I don't know what they're doing at, at Illinois in the Brett, Brett Beelzebub game. But <laughs> here's the thing. 
they can't rest on their laurels and think they've arrived just because they beat Penn State. They've got the upper hand in the East, yes, but you don't want to piss it away and give it back by going up there next week and you know getting swallowed up in the night up there in Madison. So uh, got to get these guys healthy. Ibuka, they miss him. They miss him terribly uh, because they were throwing to other guys who just weren't ready for this moment today. And then um, Henderson, I don't even know what to say. Somebody said they saw Henderson this week, and he said he was fine. They tried to warm up, wasn't able to play. And that's three games now. And, you know, the moving sidewalk is ending. Please look down. You know, it's like at some point, you know, uh, it's an unfortunate situation for him. I, I, I hope that he gets it, gets it figured out. I hope that they get his injuries Treated and gets back in there, but man, it's it's rough right now. They they miss him as well. So, real quick, since you brought it up, uh, Wisconsin just scored a touch. They were down fourteen nothing. Wisconsin was to Illinois. Wisconsin. Well, see, here's it's the same thing. Brett Bielema wants to give it to them in the worst possible way. You think Luke Fickle isn't want to give it to Ohio State in the Ohio State? I'm sure he does. Cincinnati, forty-two to nothing three years ago, and he ran off the field in utter embarrassment. He wants to give Ohio State. You know, whatever he can give them next week. Now, he may not have the team to get, especially without Mordecai. But, right. you know, we'll see. Yeah. So, it looks like at halftime, it's going to be Illinois leading at home 14-7 to over Wisconsin. Iowa can pretty much wrap up the Big Ten JV today if they beat Minnesota. Iowa up 10-3 <laughs> to at home over Minnesota late. But, in you know, here in Columbus, they've an explosion for Iowa. Iowa has 10 points in the first half, Steve. That's an explosion. That's Who are they playing today? Minnesota. Minnesota, At, well, in it 10, Iowa City, is it yep. ten to nothing or what is it? Ten three, all oh, ten Iowa. Well, uh, here in Columbus, there's one division of the Ohio Capital Conference. My buddies and I, we call it the OCC suck because it's like you know nobody ever comes out of it. Somebody wins it, but nobody cares because they're probably like six and four or seven and three or whatever. Right. It's, it's like Franklin Heights and you know Westland and God knows who, but you know <laughs> we we call it we call it the right. OCC the OCC suck. The Big Ten West is the Big Ten suck. So there you go. Yeah, you're being. I mean, you're be. I, I thought Big Ten JV was being mean. JV, you're getting, you're getting really mean. You're getting really mean. But uh, I like it. All right, Steve. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. All right, kids. We'll see y'all later. You keep Patrick Murphy out of trouble if that's possible. Oh, little Murph star. What are we gonna do? All right. Good All right. Stuff. I see. All right, man. He is Steve Hellwagon. All right. So you guys think Michigan State's going to knock off uh, Michigan tonight? No, I, I don't. I don't either. Um, I just hope they keep it close, and I hope there's a lot of talk during the telecast about Michigan cheating. Um, that, that'll be great for recruiting and everything. I have no doubt this is Harbaugh's last year. I don't think I'm breaking news there. Um, I just think there's no way. He, I, I just I, I bet anything he will not be back after this season, however it turns out. We'll see what happens. And, you know, I don't know what uh, – NFL team would want him. Maybe, maybe the Bears with how things are going there. Maybe the Chargers. We'll see what happens. Uh oh. Uh oh. Doug Shepard on YouTube as a graduate of Franklin Heights does not like Steve calling uh, the OCC that particular division of the OCC. The OCC suck. <laughs> it is kind of funny with the OCC. You got all these powerhouse like like 
divisions, you know, like Dublin Kaufman and Hilliard Bradley and Upper Arlington and all these in the same, you know, pick and you know, Pickerington North and all of these. Not the Pick North is in the same one of those as those, but these powerhouse divisions. And then you know, there is one that's you know pretty light. I won't, I won't call it what Steve does, but uh, he's not wrong. But Doug is a graduate of Franklin Heights. Is not like that. Sorry, Doug. Sorry, buddy. Mike on Facebook. Dave, what do you think of getting Cody Simon more playing time? I'm loving it. I think Cody Simon's playing really good football. He's eating into Steel Chambers' snaps, and uh, you can see why. And I don't think Steel's playing like terrible, but like I think Cody Simon's just playing good, and, and that's great to see. You know, they've got like, you know, and that's the big reason CJ Hicks isn't playing is that the number three linebacker is Cody Simon, and um, they're not going to play more than three linebackers. Usually, they only play two, um, but Cody Simon's playing good playing really good today was about jt and it was about marv those are the two main players and jim Knowles. just hats off to jim Knowles. just uh but jt and marv and there were others that, that really showed out you know sue mentioned you know jordan hancock played great i agree with that um you know a lot of guys played well a lot of guys played really well and again to put that type of defensive performance up without your number one corner um and i get that penn state's you know deficient throwing the ball but um Again, we can't mention it enough. Last year, Ohio State played against plenty of mediocre offenses that were able to get chunk plays and, and put up points. We're seeing the best defense in college football, if not the best, one of the top three, in my opinion. All right, I appreciate you guys riding with me tonight. Thank you to all of my guests, the Dean of Ohio State Football Recruiting, Bill Curlick, Jay Book, Jonah Booker, Patrick Murphy, Steve Hellwagon. Thanks to all of those gentlemen. Thanks to all of you. I really appreciate you guys joining me. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the game. Hope you enjoyed the show. I can't thank you guys enough for hopping on here and joining me on what we learned live. Enjoy the rest of the games this evening. Again, thank you to all my guests. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of your evening and the rest of your weekend. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.